0: You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprince.com. Let's start the show.
1: And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, This is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst case scenario for City right here. And And it
0: stopped! Yes! And it stopped! Totally redeemed himself. (laughs) Matt Elder redeeming himself.
1: Oliver with the right foot. The shot of the goal! Justin Oliver will break the scoreless time.
0: Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City.
1: It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And And it is now 2-0 Minneapolis City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. What is up Soccer fam. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I am your host, John, and with me as always is my guy, the Nate Morales. Nate, not going to lie, dude, I needed a week off from soccer in solitude to put the season behind me because it just had a little bit more of a sting than years past.
0: Would you agree? In solitude, that's for sure, man. Uh, Gutted is not really a word that I ever understood.
1: When <laughs> I was here, do when I so. heard,
0: Chris use it. Like, it felt like I, you know, we, I watched the Sunderland Till I Die uh, documentary, right? And they're always talking about how gutted they are. And I'm just like, what does that even mean? But yeah, I get it now. After last Sunday, I totally get it. You just feel yeah. gut.
1: Yep. Uh, yep. But had, hey, that, you, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes it rains.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess we've had some, uh, we've had some playoff ups and downs. Over the last couple weeks, dude, big wins, tough losses. We're going to cover the, uh the latter at least tonight, uh, definitely some tough losses across the Minneapolis city squads. Um, but first we want to talk about just in general, the regional playoffs being in town and it started with Milwaukee versus Cleveland. Uh, and then Minneapolis city started the regional semis on a high note against Carpathia, which is nice. And then we were rudely bounced in the final. We'll cover <laughs> all those games. And while the NPSL team was, Nursing their silver medals. The UPSL team was in Detroit battling it out, battling it out against the New York contour. Uh, the finest couch you can buy, the New York contour. There's <laughs> lots of soccer to talk about today So let's get busy living, man.
1: Um Yeah, it's gonna be caveat. It's gonna be a yeah, long show today. Lots to talk so, about. So. so let's start. Let's get, let's get after
0: it. Yeah, NPSL Regionals, were in town. We're were we were in the Midwest Regional. We were lucky to be able to host, which made it really fun for you and I to be up in the booth and to yeah. call three games, which was uh, something we haven't done together in a long, long time, so that was fun. Emotions were high here in Minneapolis. Uh, but first, before City took the field, we had a matchup of the number-two-seeded Milwaukee Torrent against number-three Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we don't want to spend a ton of time laboring against this game because Cleveland – As as you'll know, has two other games that we're going to talk about because they went so far. Uh, But the first half, John, we talked last week. We talked to Fletcher or last time we talked to Fletcher Sharp to get a little preview, and I would say that this game was pretty pretty tight into to how he would have predicted it. Um, Milwaukee really came out strong. They came out looking like a team that was a number one seed for a good chunk of the year. They ran at Cleveland. They were defending well. uh, National NPSL eleven. Midfielder Ian Serra opened the scoring with a really nice, uh, really nice rebound. He was able to be, he was able to get on the right side of a ball that, a cross, I guess that may have bounced off of the post. I could, couldn't tell if it was a shot or a cross, but it was from it was from deep, uh, bounced off the left post, and Ian Serra was there to bury it. And it was it was one nothing for Milwaukee. And We thought, okay, here we go. This attacking team is is going to take it to Cleveland. Cleveland looks old. Cleveland looks slow, but true to prediction Milwaukee's disciplinary issues started early they had a couple guys with yellow cards within the first 25 minutes of the game um, mm-hmm. but so you can kind of get get a feeling for how how they were going to play and then Cleveland flipped the script on them and they they lost a coach to some discipline they had a red card straight red card issued to uh, to Lewis Dunn I believe was his name the coach of Cleveland SC and and he was out right before halftime, so that was crazy, man. So one nothing Milwaukee up at the
1: half, and uh, so when you when you say Ian Serro buried it, I want to caveat for the listeners it it hit off of him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> when it not, not really shoot it as much as just ran into the ball and it went into the net.
1: Yeah. Or the ball ran into him, but what we'll we'll call what I think what you were searching for is it wasn't a shot or, or, or a cross. It was just like a dangerous entry ball. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it, there was the the only purpose that I think the Milwaukee midfielder had there in that instance was just to like, get it into a dangerous spot. So it really wasn't, it really wasn't a cross or a shot, but then it just hit off the post and it literally bounced off of Sarah's knee. I think maybe his stomach, um, neck maybe, (laughs) um, (laughs) Uh but yeah I think you're correct. I mean well Fletcher was right. <laughs> um, we there's not much more to, to really say there. He 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 called it spot on for how both teams kind of come out and how they play. Um kind of like my, my 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 two or my three my three kind of points that I I pulled out of that first half was I was impressed with Milwaukee's attack and not just how they were structured or or even like formational positioning. I was just impressed by the fact that they were able to do a lot with only getting two and three guys forward, which goes into my next point, not impressed with the Cleveland backline. Like they gave up opportunity after opportunity. And we saw um, the, the Cleveland goalkeeper, like just not really even like have a chance at some things. And, and it was really like a four V two in favor of Cleveland throughout the whole first half. And then they're down a goal. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I think my last bright spot was the goalkeeper for Milwaukee. We were talking about how like he was kind of short and-
0: Undersized, we will say.
1: Uh, yeah, undersized, um, not tall, how about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, what he made up for was coming off of the line quickly. And he closed down multiple attacks that would have been goal scoring chances given that Cleveland's uh, we'll call it their front three didn't have a ton of speed. Right. So he did a really good job of like closing down gaps on, on first touches or on through passes uh, and really kept Milwaukee in, in the first half and then ultimately helped them keep their lead into the into halftime.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And they did have that lead uh, going into half, but Cleveland, man, they showed their, Veteran ability, I guess they stayed methodical, and Milwaukee really couldn't find that that breakthrough second goal to put this game away. And as we said, um, Milwaukee had some some foul issues, some disciplinary issues, and that bit them that 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 started that started biting them in the in the 54th minute, and it continued to bite them all the way through the end of the game. Um, mm-hmm. An early second half penalty kick. Got Cleveland the level, leveler at uh, in the fifty-fourth minute, and then the wheels came off. John, um, Milwaukee really kicked themselves out of the game. There were yeah. there were reds from second yellows at fifty-seven. That was Sam Novak, I think his name was um, the Warhawk. Red, yep, a foul and then a subsequent red to earn the winning to earn the a foul to earn the winning PK, and then a subsequent subsequent red as the defender just decided to lay down on the penalty spot. <laughs> And I don't know if it was in protest or what um, but that got him that got him his second yellow and a red card. And that was at the 86 minute and I mean unbelievable for Milwaukee to have had the they
1: had it. They had it all. They had, it.
0: they had they had the flow of the game. They had their attack working. They looked to be the most dangerous team and they just played themselves right out of the game losing to two penalty kicks.
1: Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean both
0: sunk by Admir Sulevich.
1: Cleveland did what they what they do. They just f- found a way to win, and they did it two years ago, and they did it, uh, I believe, four years ago as well. in in a similar a similar spot. You know, it it, it was via two penalty kicks, which is kind of like ho hum. But they did it, it. They don't matter. They they won the game. Yeah, I thought that the first penalty kick was an absolute no doubter. The second one, I understand the protests by Milwaukee. It was kind of clumsy. I thought the referee did a really good job in that game of 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 being on the spot for disciplinary re- b- disciplinary action and mm-hmm. calling the game tight and letting the players know like this is the limits you're you're playing in today. Um, but like you mentioned, I've never really seen a player lay down in front of a ref to waste time live before. So it was actually quite something to watch as the Milwaukee player, for those of you who who aren't aren't from the area, uh, the citizens who are supporters section, they sit on the far uh, the far west side of of the of the stands. And the player in question got injured basically on that side in front of where our our fans sit, then proceeded to, while the the melee was happening and the protest was happening for the call, proceeded to limp his way all the way down to the other end, the East end, (laughs) probably about 85 yards. And then just laid down in front of the penalty kick taker, right in front of the referee. And the the best part was that it was so anticlimactic that he was going to get a red card because as soon as he laid down, the referee already had the cards out of his pocket. (laughs) It was just holding them until the trainers came out and the guy stood up and then he just showed him his red. Um, (laughs) Then from what we hear, the player kind of, flipped uh the wrong switch and was causing some problems for the the support staff which you don't like to see but um uh, you know it wasn't his day i i thought milwaukee milwaukee could have won this game i think we've already touched on that yeah. they just they lost the plot man and that's what fletcher was talking about and i also think that they took off some of their firepower for whatever reason i don't know if like they were hurt or, um but in the second half the subs came in and i thought they were the incorrect subs as they were kind of now stuck playing from uh, not from behind, essentially, after that first pound uh, from the, the from the back penalty.
0: foot at least
1: they were, they, they were all, they were put on the back foot after they were clearly on the front foot. Mm-hmm. and more defensive minded players came in, more possession focused players came in when I actually thought what they really needed was to stack the deck with attackers and really go at Cleveland in waves because of what was working for them. Um, mm-hmm. it just didn't happen And Cleveland, to be honest, you know this is my this is my personal take they weren't they were just unimpressive to me and they didn't do anything that was like, oh wow they they just, on that way to win and you called it methodical and that's about as accurate as it goes man
0: yeah so (laughs) milwaukee goes down to cleveland uh in the early game on friday night and uh and then city is up and it's worth noting that by the end of that game the, the city players were in the stands watching how that game was playing out watching milwaukee go down in flames disciplinary disciplinarily and um getting a glimpse of Cleveland. And I think that that's important to note for, for our later narrative, but I'll let you jump into the, uh, the Minneapolis city versus Carpathia, uh, I guess, headliner of Friday night.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was the game that we actually care about. Right. Um, <laughs> which, which was interesting because I've never outside of, I mean, even including the esports commentary that we're so world famous for, we've always had some skin in the game. So it was a little odd in the first one to be like, okay, like, I'm just talking about it, what's happening in front of me instead of having any, <laughs> you know, any uh, any reason to to care about it. But yeah. Yeah. So it, the second game was was two former PLA teams, Nate, Crazy. clashing, locking horns, if you will, in game two, which mm-hmm. saw Minneapolis City taking on Carpathia. Um, starters for that match uh, in goal, Matt Elder, your your back line was Matt Murakami, Jack Berry, Max Kent. Charlie Adams. Nothing really changed from the from the the last game of the year. That was kind of the starting back line. Um, then your midfield was Aiden O'Driscoll making his his, I believe, his first start of the year and earned it coming off of that spectacular goal that he scored in the the season uh, ender in Rochester. Then you had Max Stegward, Eli Goldman rounding out the, the middle three, and then Lionel Vang, Will Kitt, and Mito Yusuf up top. And as far as the bench goes, you had Ben Schlemann, Jonah Garcia, Aaron Old. Ian Smith, Don uh, Mejan, Nick Hutton, and Kevin Andrews. So lots of firepower and lots of quality on your bench, which is what yeah. you need and what you need in, the, in, a, in a playoff scenario because you really never know what you're gonna need to do. like if, are you gonna need to chase a goal? Well, you got you know three guys that can do that for you or two guys that can do that for you. Do you need a lockup shop? you, you got that as well. Do you need a PK save? You got bench layman so <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, So yeah, that, that's kind of how we rounded out as far as personnel goes.
0: I think, and and this game, John, was nice from the get-go because City did have that confidence. We had that swagger, number one seed in the country. Uh, Carpathia definitely had to play themselves into this position and traveled quite a ways uh, in, in, within the week. Right <laughs> on Tuesday, they were in Duluth, uh, going 120 minutes plus PKs against Duluth to win that game, and then by Friday, they were back in Minneapolis. Uh, with a with a short squad, only about fifteen guys, I think, maybe only four bench players, right? Maybe five, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you know, city goes into this game definitely with the swagger and they were able to assert themselves early. Physically, our attack was too much for the Carpathian back line to deal with. Mito Yusuf is perfect for the in those kind of situations. Uh, pressed he pressed their back line really well. In the in the early stages of the game, and then was able to win a lot of aerial challenges. And one of those aerial challenges ends with him heading the ball to Eli Goldman, who ends up one on one on the net, and his shot is. I'll give I'll give it this: the shot was well saved. Well saved. That keeper had a number of really nice saves throughout throughout the game, but uh, in this case, he was only able to parry the ball to his right, and Eli hustled over there. And yeah, he ran got, three guys. I can't believe that he got to that ball before. Yeah, before the keeper was able to get up and recover. Before two defenders were able to re- recover and track back, and he netted the opener from extremely short range. I think that's just a real nice hustle goal. A little bit of skill to to maintain or to gather possession and and get that shot off in the first place. But but that goal was all hustle. The end yeah. result.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree with you. Uh, one thing I, I note, I noticed, and I, I've since followed up, is that Eli doesn't really celebrate his own goals. He, he has celebrations for other people's goals, and we'll talk about that here ah, in a second. That's true. I guess he did do that, didn't he? Because he didn't. He wasn't really
0: interested in celebrating that goal. Uh, yeah. But then there was another goal. And speaking of physically dominating the opponent, I, I, I watched the replay a couple times. John Aiden O'Driscoll gathers the pass. At the top of the 18-yard box. And if you pause at the moment that Aiden has the ball at his feet, there are four defenders in front of him. There, and there are three that are basically pair that are basically in line with him. So he is surrounded, he is like the eighth man in a box of eight players.
1: Nine seven of which are
0: <laughs> seven of which are Carpathians, right? Plus you've got the goalie. And he dribbles three of those defenders while the other four just kind of look on in amazement, and his shot goes through the roof of the net. Uh, and City was up comfortably two to nothing. One of the best goals of the season for Minneapolis City, just by just due to the sheer power of it. When you the, the, the dominant, the domination on display, there, John, of Aiden to kind of gather a pass, get sneaky, get like a, one of the defenders literally bounced off of him, and then he was able to dribble his final guy who whose ankles might still be on the field, <laughs> and you were Nelson. And like that's where he, like, he, he like, turned the yep. guy
1: around and yeah.
0: And that poor he, keeper had, had no chance. So that was, that was amazing. And, and I think like you were saying uh, this, the celebration for that involved Eli Goldman.
1: Yeah. he So yeah, he celebrates other people's goals and you saw like Aiden do his thing. And then Eli is off to the, just to the side playing the guitar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just a little bit of air guitar. That's cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool. But so so Aiden was our was our player to watch in that match. Yeah. And from the get-go, it was Aiden O'Driscoll's game. Like he dominated on both sides of the ball. He dominated in possession. He dominated in distribution. He dominated in one v one. He dominated in the only shot on target that he had. Um it was really Aiden O'Driscoll's game. And the the interesting thing is that you know, in twenty in 2019, what what was the combination that, that took us into success? It was Eli Goldman and Aiden O'Driscoll. And yeah, near now, the end and, of the season there. Yep, and it, it's the same thing that happened. So it was really great to see. I, I mean, I, at, at the 2-0 point, it was like you and I just put it into first gear and we're like, all right, let's just get out of here and get healthy and get ready for for sunday and i think that the city players did the same thing i think that they they moved down from you know maybe third in some instances fourth gear into second gear and we're like all right we got this locked up because i carpathia just they didn't have it have it anymore and they traveled with missing some very key key people um on their roster so i I thought it was kind of over by halftime
0: yeah they had a they had a regional top 11 attacker regional top 11 midfielder and a regional top 11 defender and i think only the defender made the trip so their their firepower was 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 lacking and uh and then they started chasing the game and it was clear in the opening minutes of the second half that attacking play as they chased the game was only going to stretch them out even more Mm -hmm. and leave them open to to the counter and we capitalized on that in the 63rd will kid By the way, just a madman up and down that right side the entire game. He had a number of really nice runs, a couple of shots saved rudely by the keeper. And this time he drives to net with only one defender in the way. And rather than take it to the the defender and the keeper, he just slammed on the brakes. And he found a wide open Nick Hutton on the left side of the net who was able to just pass it into goal for City's Mm -hmm. third. And from then on out, like you said, it was just kill the game, stay healthy, conserve your energy. You know, Nick Hutton was the was the guy to to have in at that moment in time because he was able to kind of stay. He's always a, a imposing physical presence at the mm-hmm. you know in, in the in the attack, and he was able to kind of continue to boss and terrorize the Carpathian defenders. They really did could not find any sort of attacking buildup, and it was. Uh, it was three nothing all the way home
1: i think with that will with that will kid kind of uh inter- we we'll call it an intervention <laughs> um, he he what he does to defenders is he sets them up you know he's not always going to going to go to target with with a ball he has but he'll set up a defender with like getting them to lean one way for a few plays in a row and then uh-huh. he'll and then he'll like you said he'll hit the brakes and and that just sends not only the defender the wrong way, but also the goalkeeper. And that's exactly what happened here. And then Nick Hutton knows that, so he needs to anticipate, you know, a rebound if Will's going to shoot. But he also has to anticipate like finding that half yard or half two yards of space that he can get in order to be there for for the cleanup job. And and that's what happened. And there you go, off into the regional final.
0: Yeah, well, well done. Uh, so. That was it. Regional final came up the next day. The Victorian the victorious teams they meet again on Sunday. And admittedly, John, given the travel, given the red card situation, uh, missing their head coach and the way that Cleveland kind of got their win on Friday night, I was feeling really good about City's chances. And I think that as was I this the City players also sitting there and watching Cleveland close that game out against Milwaukee probably were also feeling good about their chances too. Only mm-hmm. some minor changes to the lineup due to Chorlewagy heading to Detroit and Mito Yusuf picking up an injury in the Carpathian game. So who were the starters?
1: The starters were Elder Murakami, Jonah Garcia slotted in the back line for Max Kent, who had to report to Syracuse early. So we knew that was coming. Um, So Jonah, very capable person to slot in there. Um, Mm -hmm. Charlie Adams. Max Stigward, Aino Driscoll, and Eli, uh, Lionel Vang, and then Nick Hutton replacing Meadu, um, and then Will Kidd. So you really only had two changes, one for injury and one for uh, this, a personnel change. Yep. Um, then uh, as far as your bench goes, you had uh, Big Ben Schleeman, Justin Oliver, Ian Smith, Aiden, uh, Aaron Olson, uh, Abdallah Bah, who slid in to cover for uh, the inter- the inclusion of Nick Hutton, uh, Dominic Mejian, and Kevin Andrews.
0: Yeah, John. And the first half, I'll tell you what, it was frustrating to watch. Almost impossible to keep <laughs> to keep our cool in the booth. It was oh, yeah. a tale <laughs> of near misses, frustrating bounces. I've been watching Ted Lasso this season, and unlucky is, I think, is a, is a sneaky theme this season. I think unlucky as a word is coming up quite a bit, and there's a lot of questioning around, like, what does unlucky mean? And uh, well, we, we got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> you got to admit that city was truly unlucky that day. It was not a matter of using "unlucky" as a as a word to brush off a mistake, or using "unlucky" as a word to uh, to make you feel better for for maybe Poor a bad choice. Like we were literally unlucky as fuck. Three chances hit the woodwork for Minneapolis City, only a matter of inches keeping the game from being an absolute rout in the first half. But as they did in every game so far leading up to that point, Cleveland kept their composure and they struck when the opportunity arose. They pounced on a bad pass and there he was again, Cleveland's number 10, Admir Sulevich, drilling home a long shot. His third goal of the of the short week and John, you gotta imagine that City going into the locker room with so many good chances, down one nothing on an On a bad giveaway, and they they gotta feel like they could probably snatch that game back, right?
1: Yeah, and I think one hundred percent. I think you're one hundred percent correct. And and you also have to think like the attitude was like not not so much "god damn it." It was more of like "what the hell," and then and with that attitude, it's like the the only response is to ratchet things up, and you can either do that individually, you can do that uh, tactically. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a number of things you can do to eliminate the unluckiness and that's just keep creating chances. And I I thought that even after the goal, it was like, okay, well, yeah, that went in whatever we've been scored on before. Not, not often, but when we've been scored on before, we know what to do. And we, and we started to just like plug the formula in and it was working. It was just still that unluckiness. And instead of the unluckiness of, of the beginning of the first half where we're hitting the, hitting the post, it was just like the 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 extra effort on a pass that just just missed, or mm-hmm. you know the switching of defenders wasn't as smooth as it could have been, just like or guys running into each other, slipping and falling down, things like that. And you're like, this is just going to be maybe one of those days. But they <laughs> they fought, they fought hard.
0: They did. I mean, City came out of the gates hot in the second half. On the first spell of possession, substitute Abdallah. Ba, drives up the left side of the field a substitute that we both called by the way mm. on the on the stream we said this is exactly what the second half needs and there he is uh, he drives up the left side of the field he finds Stiggy in the middle who is uh who's who ends up swishing it over to to Will Kidd and Will's cross was punched away by goalkeeper Connor Cable and Eli Goldman was there again Johnny on the spot to bury the rebound and we thought that's it there we go we're back in at 1-1 immediately but unfortunately Nick Hutton who the cross was intended for was deemed to have interfered with cable and the goal was disallowed of course Nick will say that he was pushed into the keeper hard to say on the on the on the replay John but it did look like the uh the defender had extended his arms into into nick's body and, and pushed him into cable i'll say that even if nick wasn't there i don't think cable was going to be able to move himself as far to the to the right as he needed to to gra- to save it to save that shot from eli but so now whatever. that we don't have
1: to worry about the league <laughs>
0: that was a bullshit call
1: <laughs> we don't have to worry about the league coming down after the season's over that was fucking garbage man um <laughs> And, and the reason why I say that is, is because the center official was right there and allowed the goal. And it was the, li- the, uh, the, the lines person who then flagged him over and told him that, that it should be disallowed, who is completely shielded by all of the action when the guy who is in charge of refereeing the war is right there and deemed it appropriate. And like you said, I don't think Cable had any chance at getting there a- yeah. at all. Like literally at all. And Nick Hutton was pushed into the, into the goalkeeper, but even though he was pushed into the goalkeeper, it didn't, it didn't affect the goalkeeper's ability to try to make a reaction save. So, I mean, he
0: made the, he made the initial save. Right. And and I think it's kind of one of those things, like he almost like when you, when there's an onside non non or offside non call, right? Like if, if you're not in a position to make a, Play on the ball; they're not going to call you offside.
1: Yeah, right. But if you're uh, talking about the letter of the law, Nick did interfere with the goalkeeper. I mean, he, yeah. he did get a piece of him, but it, it didn't affect the play, mm-hmm. like you're saying. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'll call I'll call it like it is. You can go back on the stream and watch it. It, it. it was a bad call, and the center official should have overruled the the sideline official. I think he he made he made a call that. Um, to To listen to his his help, but in that instance, your help is twenty five yards away, and you're yeah. four yards. You're away right there. So, yep. So, but hey, you can't take them back. So you just got it. You got to You got to persevere and push forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't know, John. It feels like the dagger came for Minneapolis City when Jack Berry slipped and he fell. Uh, he mm-hmm. and he left a huge window for. Uh, I think it's Connor McAvenue, right, to yeah. to fire an absolute laser past Matt Elder from from deep. And that's another mistake, another defensive mistake, another long-range chance buried. Cleveland had only been allowed two shots in the game, but they had two goals to show for it. And to me, that had to be deflating for the guys. So many chances, so close, nothing to show for it. And Cleveland played convincing possession-based soccer to see out the win. Minneapolis City really at, at no point after that in the game unlike in the joy of the people loss, Minneapolis City at, after that never seemed to really put the pressure on Cleveland to come back at all into that game. It felt like Cleveland had an answer yeah. for anything anything city put on the field from there on out and they coasted to victory.
1: And I'm going to I'm going to give my own personal opinion, the The better team did not win that game and the better team did not win the Milwaukee versus Cleveland game either. And it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. The better team doesn't have to always win the game. You know, that's why you, that's why you roll the ball out, you know? So th- th- that one was the way in which it happened. I, I thought that the McAvenue goal was a really great finish, but again, yeah. it happened because our center back slipped. It's like, <laughs> I'm not giving you credit for that victory. When we had a goal disallowed, we hit the post three times, and you had one one really good sequence of a goal in the in the Soljevic goal. that that was a quality goal. Yep. Um, but you get into the second half, and it's like you, Cleveland didn't do anything of substance, literally, even defensively when they were trying to when they weren't committing guys forward. They still weren't able to defend the ways of attack the city was coming on um and and applying and they just the better team didn't win and that's what made it so difficult for me to swallow and then watching the games last weekend which we're going to talk about here in a second made it even harder for me to swallow because i was like thinking about all the ways we could have done better (laughs) in both of the games and like man like yes those other teams won their games they got there but we may be better than some of the teams that are playing in 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 the Final Four, as well as in the National Championship game. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Hard to say. I think uh, the game fucking sucked, and it's definitely <laughs> one of those. It's definitely one of those things where it's like you can ah. just you can just you could just feel the air come out of the team in a slow leak over this over the course of the second half after that first goal
1: yep. was
0: after that goal was disallowed, and then there was just never anything of substance happening on the field. To pump the guys up to get them to give them a second wind or, or anything to get them back in the game. So that really, that really blew total chunks. Um, but that result plus the action around the country set the stage for the NPSL semifinals. Two games to decide the fate of the NPSL and to decide the upcoming matchup that'll be happening this coming weekend here.
1: Yeah, so game one was Denton. Diablos out of Texas versus Cleveland, which we already talked about, and in, in what could have been our semifinal match at home <laughs> in front of our fans. Um, I won't belabor it anymore, but we saw basically two of the tournament's hottest teams clash in what was one of those games from a city fans perspective, I mentioned a little bit, that we really wish we were in, but we were not. <laughs> and these two teams were uh one in Denton that was I mean they're just super hot right now, um, and they and I thought that they just took it to Cleveland, um, and Cleveland was that that team that you know just get, figures out a way. Um, but uh, it was an interesting match to watch them lock horns because it was two different, completely different styles of play, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it was it was hard for me to watch the first fifteen minutes. I'll be honest with you, I, I almost turned it off.
0: Yeah, not only because we just got beat, but um, I was definitely rooting for Denton because there's yeah, John I think there's a few teams there are only a few teams left in the NPSL that feel like like spiritual comrades to to Minneapolis City yeah. and the front office the supporters right and I think Denton feels like they could definitely be one of the cool kids in that club so I'm, <laughs> that's part of the reason why I'm excited for this this up, this result we're about to talk about um but also just like seems like a cool dude in a cool club that deserves cool things to happen to him
1: I basically boil it down to, I gave a shit about three of the four teams. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's my, my honest outlook. I gave a shit about three of the four teams. But so how the game went was both teams kind of threw the defensive playbook completely out the window as the visitors from Texas got on the board early in the third minute. And let me tell you, Nate, if you haven't watched Denton play, it's almost a carbon copy of what city deploys. They're, they're stout on back uh, in the back line usually if they don't throw the defensive label out the window they <laughs> keep the ball well um they they just hit you at your weak point and then they just go for blood until it doesn't work and they they find they find that way um which is kind of how that game's first goal started and then Cleveland looked like they were tired and they were the home team um which you know you think they might have gotten some rest but apparently they did they they were they, <laughs> they were a little tired from all the travel and all the games and all the minutes they had to play. <clears throat> um, But it definitely looked, you know, in the, in the, the two wins, previous kind of took, took the wind out of their sails. And after that first goal in the third minute, I was like, they're get their door, doors blown off. And the same thing happened just minutes later in the eighth minute, I, I was they, uh, the, the Denton Diablo scored another goal. So it was two nothing with eight minutes to, played. And I was just like, I am I'm, I'm really consider that's what I, I mentioned. I, I was considering turning the game off because I was like, what the hell? You know, that's like it. it's not us in this game which is making me angry already. And then this is how it's starting. I was like, I have better things to do. But I sucked through it. I watched I, I, I kept watching. <laughs> <laughs> and I was totally at that point counting Cleveland out and getting angry. And you know, if I'm being honest, not maybe throwing Jealous. some things jealous mm-hmm. anger uh i was throwing things
0: listening to the Goo, Goo doll song hey jealousy on repeat <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> uh, or uh sarah mclaughlin i will remember you because the season's over <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but then pops up corbin mcavenue that's his first name corbin corbin and he's the one who snuck one past elder from distance the weekend prior and he does it again in the 34th minute 31st minute and the narrative then changed for me, Nate. And maybe their Cleveland is just that team that is the snake who lays waiting in tall grass.
0: Yeah, and, I don't know, John. Is that like a little rope-a-dope strategy they've got going on there? Like, I mean, it could be. We we joked about it a little bit on the pod and on the stream, and I don't know. Maybe not even joked about it is the right word. Like we touched on it quite a bit. That like Cleveland is led by a couple of older like, dudes yeah including Vinny Bell right and so you got to wonder like these it's a veteran team and it's it's that it's that old narrative it's the veteran team that that's that acts like they've been there before that knows how to play at the at the highest levels right at the at the biggest stages and they've been there on almost all level of the NPSL stage so you got to wonder how much they were i mean maybe now we're in our own head but you got to wonder how much they were planning on Both city and Denton thinking that they were running on dead legs, and that's not to say that like that's not to say that like they gave up two goals in the first ten minutes as part of like uh, an elaborate Uh, ruse or something.
1: Yeah, here's what we're (laughs) gonna do, guys. In the first in the first ten minutes of the game, we're just gonna give up two right away. We're just gonna let them get their
0: goals out, (laughs) and then we really start to play. (laughs) But I think that after that, they woke up and they got serious and they made a game of it.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, I want to mention one thing, too, because I've gotten some hate mail, <laughs> as I do.
0: You have? I, How come yes. I didn't get any hate mail? I'm bummed. I wanted hate mail.
1: Because I say the things that people don't like, Nate. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> and I um, make the jokes about Transformers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you make, <laughs> me, call, you make me then say the things that people <laughs> don't like to hear about you. So, yeah. <laughs> I am the heel of this relationship. <laughs> That's
0: okay. I'm okay <laughs> You're with that.
1: the Yeah, it's why it works. It it truly is why it works. I am, okay, for those of you listening, if you're from Cleveland, I am an an absolute Vinny Bell fanboy, okay? (laughs) However, Vinny Bell did fuck all for two weekends, literally, with all the concentration and all the fanfare. He didn't do anything, literally did nothing. And I called it like it was. So I don't apologize for that. I think he's... A, he's a really good he's a really good finisher i think he he's he it should be respected for all he's done in his npsl career but from to the to my two eyes that i watched he did nothing so yeah he was pretty
0: mia him. against minneapolis yeah. city
1: so i will not i will not apologize for that but i do want you to know that i'd love me some vinny bell <laughs> cuz he's just one of those guys you can't hate so all right.
0: Hopefully, so, the rabid okay. fans have been satiated yeah. by your yeah. tribute. so
1: everyone, everyone, calm the fuck down. If you know me, I just say it like <laughs> it is, and that's what how it was. Uh, so, anyways, uh, after after that uh, that two goal drubbing in the first ten minutes, that Cleveland took just before halftime pops up Mister PK himself, Admir Sulievic, who scored two in the regional we talked about from the spot, and he ties the he ties the game up one one, or sorry, he he pulls one back in the 41st minute, or sorry, he does tie it up, my bad. Ties it up in the 41st minute from the PK spot. So scoring three PKs in, in two weeks is some lucky shit. Four <laughs>
0: goals in the playoffs, like that's got to be playoff golden boot at this point. You know
1: what, if they hand it out, sure. But <laughs> again, it was like Cleveland is, they're figuring it out again. And they're figuring mm-hmm. it out by having their third penalty kick in in, in three games and I was just like, really. So the ref of the half, the rest of the half was just nervy with both teams really playing not to make mistakes. And you know, yeah. Cleveland had dreams of pulling the ace out of their sleeve, but there was no blood in a less than eventful sec- uh, half. And we were headed to some free soccer, Nate. So extra oh, you time starts. Yep, love some free soccer. Extra time starts, and Denton started the same way they did at the beginning of the game. Scored the early goal, I believe. This one was in like the fifth minute of extra time. Um, and then they flipped the script, and and they didn't pack it in. They decided to open it up and press, and I think they were doing that with the, uh, the it was the RoboDope. They were doing it because mm. they were like, oh, they did their now, own. Now we got them, you know. Now we're gonna go for blood. And they opened up the game, and they tried to press, and it didn't work. And they stretched it out, and essentially Cleveland pulled another one back. And Cleveland was even more out of gas, and they looked against Minneapolis City, and they pulled another pole pull went back, and I'm thinking like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Are they going to do this again? But it was not their day as Denton finally pulled it together. They they stopped committing as many guys forward. They kept the ball. They moved. They moved the back line around uh through possession and they scored uh the, the final goal and, and the final scoreline. Four three to Denton. They punched their ticket into the super game this weekend.
0: The super the super game. Yeah. I, I would I would also say we are, we are avenged, John. How exciting. Yes. Thank, you Thank you to you, Denton. <laughs> after I think a full I would say a flurry of goals in the playoffs. I can honestly say that this game could have been City's last stop anyway. You you feel otherwise, but I think Denton is Denton is an, uh, an excellent offensive team, and I don't think Minneapolis City has really played a team that can score like that yet this year. So they may have they may have done us like they did Cleveland, but uh, well, I will still Nate, thank them for the service of of avenging our our
1: loss. Now, Nate is where I disagree with you.
0: <laughs> there, and there we are. That's all right.
1: <laughs> I don't think it would have been our last stop because from all of the games I've watched, Denton has never, I shouldn't say has never, they aren't used to not having the ball. And a lot of the teams that they played against were very direct, very NPSL North, very direct, got the ball, looked for knockdown second ball opportunities. Mm -hmm. and, And that was the league they played in. There was one match in particular that I watched where they were completely on the back foot for, 60 percent of a game where they didn't have the ball and got super frustrated and that's when cards started to happen fouls were happening um they when they got the ball they were hurried so i think that it would have been a real good slugfest um and not necessarily our last stop i think that we could have potentially if we were on our best foot especially being at home maybe had the opportunity to 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 best them but again Congratulations to them! Thank you for beating Cleveland. Um, after getting all the hate mail, I appreciate it even more.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, and yes, they're one of the teams that I actually care about in the NPSL. So congratulations! And we'll talk a little bit about their next step here in a little bit. But but first, we can do before we can do that. There's more.
0: Two, two storied clubs, we'll call them. I think couple of couple of my personal favorites in the NPSL. Uh, met in the in the semifinals. And I'm talking, of course, about Christos FC out of Baltimore and Tulsa Athletic out of Tulsa, Oklahoma.
1: Very astute pickup that they're from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm.
0: I've, <laughs> I've heard of
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you've heard of it. Game two saw a, a different look, and I'll call them Steady Eddie, the, the storied Baltimore Christos who – have already etched their names in the in the annals of lower league soccer history with what they've Mm -hmm. done in their amateur in on the amateur side um not necessarily in the mpsl but um you know through the usasa championships um something called the u.s open cup i wonder what that is Uh, heard
0: of it (laughs) haven't haven't seen it in a while
1: (laughs) yeah don't know if we'll ever see it again um (laughs) But as they they took on our our favorite, I'll I'll call them our favorite non-city side. I might be throwing you in that conversation, but Tulsa oh, yeah. Athletic absolutely um, is it, just another team that got hot in the the rounds of knockout soccer and are just finding ways to win games. And not in the way of Cleveland, they're actually like finding exciting ways to win games, not boring, slow, lucky uh, ways to win games. And th- again, that is my personal take. Um, if you're listening, you already know how to get hold of me because you already have.
0: Because <laughs> <you're DMing> uh, <laughs> they're DMing you on Twitter constantly.
1: Yeah. So come come whenever we put, put this out. I'll just uh, I'll just anticipate some more hate mail. But oh well, whatever. <laughs> um, this one was a tad bit easier of a recap for me because it was a total slugfest in the trenches for both sides uh, for a good portion of this game. Um, but the essentially what we saw was that they were – both teams were kind of confident in, in – if I'm using a boxing analogy, they were confident in their jab. Like they were confident sure. in like their little spurts of an attack but also being quick to get back to make sure that they don't give anything stupid up because they were pushing people forward. So definitely got back into shape right away, which is why I said it's kind of what was a slugfest in the trenches because it was very between the boxes where all, where this game was being fought. But the the first kind of blow that wasn't a jab – Came for our, our boys from T Town, who got on the score sheet first uh, on the road after a weird sequence. I, I would call it. There was a there was an interesting kind of clumsy challenge about 30, 35 yards out. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was a foul. I mean, it kind of goes either way. It was so, it happened so fast that it looked like it was a a, a bad challenge. But it was I think it was a, uh, the defender got the ball first, but then just kind of cleared a guy out um because his moment he couldn't stop his momentum but anyways they were awarded the free kick which whizzed through i mean the guy for tulsa just put every bit of laces on his foot through that thing and it kind of whizzed through traffic as like you know bodies are trying to throw limbs out in the way to try to deflect it and Mm -hmm. the christos keeper kind of got a late read on it got his hands on it but wasn't able to collect it and and it kind of like parried into the path of a streaking tulsa player who toe poked it past past the goalkeeper? And the first lead of the game was theirs. And from that point, Christos kind of they, like, pulled their pants up and were like, okay, we've been here before. And they acted like they'd been here before. Um, they turned up the heat almost immediately. No, no hanging heads, no hands on hips, no hands on knees. They they really just started to just play really good soccer at that point. Like it was the wake-up call, it was a slap in the face they needed. Um, they're they're only chance of substance in the first half saw the their one of their strikers on a really great well-timed run get slotted in behind the, the Tulsa back line um and the goalkeeper was pretty exposed like he was kind of caught in no man's land, but he he took he took just a half step forward which I thought kind of put him out of position but he knew be- he knew his ability better than I did and he, he was able to parry the ball just wide and and that's how the half ended and i was like ooh like christos is they, they they're they're figuring it out and they're they're gonna come out swinging in the second half so to, so to me the team target half must have been one for christos that poured gas on their fire as they came out swinging to start the second frame and tulsa did what you do and made the appropriate adjustments to kind of close up the show and withstand the waves of, of pressure for about 40 of the 45 minutes, maybe 40 plus
0: mm-hmm.
1: minutes when the second great chance. And I really think like this one in a game of inches was the one that Christos wants to have back the, the first one in the first half. I thought, yeah, that should have probably been a goal, but good on the goalkeeper, excuse me. And <clears throat> this, but this, this particular opportunity should have been a goal. Um, they almost drew level from a free kick, um, and it was about 20 yards out, just well hit and looked as if it was going to beat the keeper. And for me, man of the match, Tulsa goalkeeper Bryson Reed, laid out like fish out of water dive, fantastic mm-hmm. save, and there you have it. T-Town and our guy Sonny has a chance to play for the big one this weekend, and I'm looking forward to when we can get him on and talk about the the whole entire playoff run.
0: Yeah, I will I, I agree. I think this sets up a really nice matchup for the Actually, final.
1: I, I'll stop you. I'd love to hear from both Denton and and Tulsa, to be honest with you. So we'll we'll throw the we'll throw them both in regardless of what the outcome of the game is.
0: Yeah, I I, I would agree. I think it's a super nice matchup. I know I'm gonna be watching. You know, you and I per- personally have had a great time with Sunny. It feels like the the owner of Denton is just as
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, just the just fun the of fun. a party. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um j- there it feels like they are cut from the same cloth and it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting soccer match to see how the clubs that they have built differ uh in their makeup and in their style. I think Tulsa's defensive acumen, their smart attacking play is gonna be up against what I would say is a withering Diablos attack, but like you said, not super comfortable when they don't have possession. So, what kind of game uh, are you going to expect out of this one, John?
1: I expect not your typical final. And what I mean by that is not your typical playoff soccer game where it's a lot of feeling out, not, you know, just being safe. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, explain it to me like I've never watched an NPSL final game. But that makes more sense to say, not going to be a typical playoff soccer game, right? Like we saw it. Oh, we saw it all weekend a couple weeks ago. It's just a lot of lot of jabs, a lot of fights, a lot of figuring each other out.
1: Yeah, I don't. Watching the Diablos play, they don't play like that, and and they're not. And and if I'm if I'm their coach, I'm not going to be like, you know what? Everything that worked to be the last two teams out of ninety plus teams in the country, let's just throw that out the window, and we're just going to kind of ease off the pedal a little bit. Forget about it. You don't do that. You just, you, you take it to Tulsa and and let the best man win. And for, for Tulsa, there's no way in hell that any team under, under the banner of Sonny DeLessandro uh, is going to be like, you know what we need to do. We just need to play non-attractive soccer. And we just need to sit back bunker up. Yeah. I mean, they did that. They did bunker up when they had a lead, but that's what you do. I, I don't, I don't, but I also don't think that this is going to be a goal fest, like the four to three Cleveland Diablos game. I think it's going to be a two to one game and I think it's Mm -hmm. going to go in extra time. And I think it's going to be Tulsa with some sort of dramatic late winner. Um, and I say that because what we have, what we didn't get an opportunity to see in, um, in the previous match against the, against Christos, because of just true personnel needs for Tulsa to like have, some of the the substitutions come in for more of a, a tactical reason, which was locking up shop. There are some really good off the bench players that uh, a, a couple are a little longer in the tooth that have, that have been there before for Tulsa, but they just happen to be on the bench because there's younger players that can do what they do and do what they do better now in their careers versus these players that have been with Sonny and, and Tulsa for a few years. Mm-hmm. And also some younger players that they have that are just, chomping at the bit to get into a game with christos i don't see that i see more of like the the total diablo or, or sorry with diablos I, I don't see i i feel like they throw out more of their guys to start a match and to and to try to ride or die with them and then hope that the situation calls for a substitution that favors them on the bench okay. i don't think they have the, the firepower so that's why i think it's going to go into extra time it might be three to two might be two to one um, but it, I think it's going to go to Tulsa. I think it's going to be a late winner. All
0: right. There you have it. John's, uh, John's prediction. I'm make usually sure you watch. Is it, well, <laughs> it's <laughs> probably, on 11, probably on 11 sports, right? Or whatever. It's, on,
1: on whatever. Like, it's going to be on some shit stream that has no production value. But whatever. It's the Super Game.
0: If you're not following either of those teams, you got to make sure you check them out on Twitter. Um, they do a really good job. So, yep. really yep. very it's professional. And, and congr- very good.
1: Con- congratulations to both of them. I mean... Mm-hmm. It, it, regardless of us being there or not um, it's super difficult especially with the changing of personnel this time of year with guys going back to college it's really tough mm. Um, so congratulations to those guys and like I said I gave a shit about three of the four teams and I'm glad two of them got in
0: <laughs> I'll say this before we move on like there is as I mentioned there's definitely like an, an upper echelon of NPSL teams and for a while Minneapolis City while not really making it to that stage was rubbing elbows with those kind of teams on uh, just by virtue of our social media presence. And I think that attracted the right kind of ownership personality that attracted the right kind of personalities amongst owners. We've made a lot of really good allies in the NPSL because of the way we operate and the attitude that we have and the product that we put on the field, regardless of the results. And, uh, and these are all, Teams that are top-notch along those same lines. So, if if, yeah, you, no, if you want to su- no if, if you want to support some teams, what's that?
1: <laughs> no Persian rug salesman. In, in no, this, uh, this
0: <laughs> If you want to uh, if you want to support some teams this weekend, you couldn't find two two better teams. So, get out there and, and watch this game and support support who your favorites are. I'm I'm rooting for Tulsa, but I'm not going to be sad with either result. And John, just when you think soccer talk is over, we got to switch gears quick to the rookery. MC two also on the road two weekends ago uh, in their own chance to make it to the UPSL final four, as they took on New York Contour United FC couch FC. in in the regional <laughs> final in Michigan. It was a uh, it's you know UPSL games tend to be a little harder to digest because you don't know the players you don't know the teams you don't really know what their their backstory is but but you've done the due diligence tell us how this one went
1: yes yeah, so i went back and re this one just uh obviously to prepare but also to to make sure that i'm giving love to the to the guys since we were busy at that mm-hmm. given time time frame mm-hmm. and i'll just say it didn't go great nate um, <laughs> and we'll get into that a little more in a bit but i i do want to say first of just how proud I am of this team. I mean, the way it's made up, the players, they just, a a different player every single game popped up when that team needed it. And the coaching staff of coach Michael Prunty and Kevin Lebon, um, they just, they just found a way to make it work. And, And we talked about how like, maybe it'll work just in our conference, but once we hit the region, it might not work. They, they found a way to beat a very good Iowa Raptors team, all respect to Iowa, um, really great team. Um, and it, it makes the old heart melt man in their first year in an actual league. We've talked about it before on the, on the pod that, when we, when we, when this was the U23 team and we surveyed the players, they all said, we don't want to play the, even though we played some really great teams and did some really cool travel in a non-league schedule, we want to play for trophies and they delivered 100%. And, and I'm yeah. just so proud that they, that that was an absolute awesome first step to make with this team and, and, and the inclusion of the futures players and and just how that, like that ladder to the, the upper level senior teams was was extended down into some players that that just absolutely performed in their given chances. Uh, yeah, super super happy for them.
0: I would say, absolute agreement. Counter to may, maybe the expectation of of what this team would be about, right? As a U twenty three team, this team was really interesting mix of all the way up from veterans to. Have seen their the probably their best playing days behind them. In you know, a guy like Derek Olman, who has got who has had a great career in Australia, all the way down to kids like Jacob Popkin, who are fresh out of high school, or Ben Schleman, fresh out of high school, and Susie ready to Yassin. exactly the Susie ready to make the next step, right? Mean so, streets.
1: Like, the, the,
0: the, like, I I love them all. I've gotten to know them, and I love them all. And I think that uh, I'm. This, this obviously dis- disappointing result from the way we're, we're setting this up aside. I'm super excited to see what's next for the UPSL team and for its makeup because it's probably going to be the craziest mix of city players that you're going to be able to see next year.
1: Yeah, and I think that yeah, you're right. There's 50-plus there's some players from the Futures program that all want to be on that team. Yeah, and and not all of them can make it. And you know, are there going to be some guys from the MPSL roster that are going to need to move down? Are there some people that are going to end up not playing again next year? It's it's going to be interesting. I, I think the the, the turnover is going to be a little bit higher, um, or it'll be or, or it'll be somewhat of the same, and the makeup will be very similar, but different names, um, maybe some household names that you've heard in the past for the past five six years. Maybe they're they're on that roster now. So yeah, I, I'm excited to see where it goes for sure. But before we get into
0: yeah, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Yeah,
1: that, that's that's for the that's for the UPSL recap show. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, but anyways, as far as who went who traveled to to the match starters, Troy Lewegi gets a second start for for uh, Mitch Wolf, who we we have to mention. Mitch Wolf, uh, congratulations to Mitch,
0: professional player.
1: Mitch got signed by the Stumptown Athletic, so he's currently uh, living that NISA life, whatever that means. Uh, in, uh, I heard it's in a good North- life. I mean, it depends on where you're at. <laughs> if you're in Hartford, Connecticut, the NISA life sucks.
0: Is if that you're Stumptown? in
1: Detroit, no, he's in, he's in North Carolina. Um, oh. No, there's just <laughs> – just Google all the stuff that's happened to the Hartford Athletic uh, Well, Hartford, team.
0: Connecticut sucks in general.
1: Yeah, well, just – <laughs> hit the google machine and find out all the jackassery and shithousery that was going on in that place Anyhow, we haven't even
0: gotten to this game we're serially digressing here
1: yeah yeah okay sorry <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyways congratulations mitch but you didn't see him in there so troy lewagy makes a second start ethan anderson will Orser, logan huber across the the fronty 352 back line with nathan mean streets on one wing back and luke Lindsay on the other uh, the, the central three is unchanged from the past three games, which is he- Scottie Heinen, Abai Habat, McRae Drong, and up top. Also unchanged, Cole Schwartz and Yasik Nikowski. Game changers, Wes Lawrence comes back from injury. Nick Sikowski, Adam King, uh, Abdi Kadi, Archie Jurdrum. Then, Nate, two names you've never heard before. Never? Victor, well, actually, you've heard of Victor Hernandez because he got the uh, the Wingman Award for Most Assists in the Futures program. And, yeah. yeah and, Je- and Jesse Juarez. Um, both fantastic talents that are coming up through the ranks, um, situational inclusions for, for Prunty, um, to, to have, cause we can have that, that larger bench in the UPSL. So sure. brought two, two young guys along, give me the exposure for, for, for maybe future years. Um, so really great to see that. And then Derek Ullman, he made the trip off of, <laughs> uh, just did what he had to do to, to Super glue that collarbone back together.
0: He didn't play, up. did he?
1: I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a I while. Mean, all all
0: reports were that that was it. That was a that was a playoff-ending injury for Derek. and he's just like fuck it,
1: well he was included. Out. He was included. So maybe he, maybe he. That's nuts. Maybe, maybe he had it. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I don't remember if Derek played. Derek, if you're listening. I'm sorry. I've had a few p- liquid punches to the head since this game, so <laughs> sorry if you do get minutes. Uh, if not, it was at least great to see you on the roster and the ability to play. Um, so happy you had a, a speedy recovery. But anyways, like I noted, Nate, uh, to set this up, this was this this just wasn't our day, and we kind of predicted that at some point the rookery was going to run into a buzzsaw, and that buzzsaw, Nate, was from the state of New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Long <Wild laughs> um, Island.
1: Yeah, a very seasoned side in Contour. I mean, they were bigger. They were stronger. They they looked as if they had played together for longer. Um, just all the things you didn't want to run into, but we had to. It was our matchup. And from the jump, they were able to get on the score sheet early in the first half. Um, little nice 1v1 uh, from their left winger um, that forced Troy to kind of make the decision to come off his line. And he did. Mm-hmm. And, he, and literally, like... Talk about unlucky! Just following the, the the unlucky cloud, following the club around. Troy made the decision to come off his line, and sp- a split second before he was able to get to the ground and outstretch his nine foot wingspan, uh, the guy just lumped uh, just a limp pass directly back through the to the penalty spot where one of one of his friends was sitting there and was able to to slot it home and now we're down one nothing <laughs> early. yeah and i was like god damn it
0: that was uh that was the goal that we were able that we missed right because we mm-hmm. that goal pretty much happened right before we were done broadcasting yeah and that's about when we when we started watching on the stream up in the booth
1: yeah we we yeah it did it happened early uh, okay then the, the hits just didn't stop coming nate Luke Lindsay ended who I thought had a fantastic year uh, for for the rookery ended up on the wrong end of a 50, 50 challenge ended up fracturing his foot, which oh, for real? later, yeah, we found that out later. It forced him out of the match. And, but at that point, the guys did not stop fighting though. Um, as they've kind of done all year, we've, we've, we've covered this team all year and it's been a lot of like maybe early missteps and then they find their way through gaining possession, cleaning up some of those errant passes maybe defending a little bit harder, um, getting their shape back better. Um, and they were starting to put something together and starting to build something. Um, Cole Schwartz uh, um, had, a, had a couple half chances, had his the most fantastic chance, and we saw this one and about yeah. jumped out of the booth at Edor Nelson. Um, in the 44th minute, um, he got through, went around the goalkeeper, a little bit of a heavy touch, which was necessary to get around the goalkeeper. And he had to kind of outstretch to put it on frame and found the wrong side of the post. And uh, and at that point, would have been 1-1 going into the half, which would have been massive.
0: Yeah, that would have felt really good.
1: Right. And th- that changed the entire narrative. Um, you don't know what con- the contour could have fallen into if they were all- put on the back foot because they were pretty much on the front foot most of the game. So the second half, again, the guys came out fighting, but were caught on a half counterattack that saw the mean streets uh, <laughs> had to track back. And, and he wasn't the last man back, but he was, you know, he, it was deemed that he uh he did foul the a, a contour player, um, which I thought was a smart foul because of where yeah. it was. Um, it was on kind of the corner, uh left corner of the uh, edge of the box. Um, and, and it stopped the damage of that counterattack, which I think was necessary because um Well, ultimately we'll find out what happened but um if it would have worked in Nate's favor um to to foul that guy it would have been absolutely perfect uh but the contour was able to pull another one into the scored column off of a free kick that it kind of caught because of the angle it lo- it was kind of in between a shot or a cross um but the the contour player um, clearly had the goal in mind, and it caught Troy kind of leaning the ro- the other way. I wouldn't even call it the wrong way because he was anticipating the cross co- coming in, and and it, it bent. It was a a well bent ball right to the near post, and he almost got a hand on it. But uh, but there we go, down to nothing. Uh, a pretty big hole against a team that clearly looks like they've been there before, um, or at least played at a high level before. And that's when the sub started to fly in, but the contour was just too much for us to pull one. one now two back, even though we had some bright spots there in the second half, um, and the contour onto the the UPSL final four, and we are not. And the theme of the day was unlucky two nothing losses, and that yeah. happens. And soccer is a bitch, and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that uh
0: that, that's the that's that is definitely the theme of the day. That feels that feels rough. I would say that this one felt a little. Easier to swallow. I thought, like you said, there were maybe fewer chances for Minneapolis City in in Detroit against New York, which is a confusing thing to think about. But uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah all in all, I hat. think all in all, I think great season for for MC two. Amazing group of guys. Amazing mix of of ages that were able to come together and fight all their way to the uh the elite eight of the upsl and who would have predicted that john
1: no i never would have predicted that like i thought maybe conference maybe run into the bavarians (laughs) yeah and uh and the buzzsaw would be more of a a a true regional buzzsaw but got past iowa and dramatic fashion there's a dog on the field it's awesome (laughs) but as high as the highs come nate the lows come even lower Come even lower. That's but, but Palm yeah, like I ninety-seven
0: right there, John.
1: <laughs> yeah, the under <laughs> the sea dance.
0: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> going to be all for this week's show, folks. Thanks again to the show sponsor, FootballStadiumPrince.com. Oh man, here we go. I haven't read this yet. Uh, is your T shirt game? <laughs> Oh, is your t-shirt game as limp as my 40-plus-year-old trouser snake? Does your, You're getting mean. Does your coffee mug look like you begged for change off Highway 94 to supplement your low-paying creative job like I have to do? Well, then it's time for you to make some life changes, my friends, and footballstadiumprince.com has options for you featuring the amazing t-shirt and mug designs of some of the greatest stadiums in soccer, including the Nelly, home of the Crows. They come in all sizes, from kids to XL. So you can do like I did and purchase a few to supplement my full wardrobe of Boogaloo Boogaloo Boys Hawaiian print shirts. (laughs) Now now you too can look stylish at events like your run-of-the-mill garden party or my Wednesday night Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, which (laughs) I'm not doing very well. What's better? City fans can head over to footballstadiumprints.com and use code CROWS10, CROWS10, to save 10% off your orders. Uh, You can rock the home of the Crows and all the rest of your favorite soccer teams on your shirt, on your walls, on your mugs, anywhere. Thanks again to our friends at FootballStadiumPrints.com. And remember, they may be overseas, but know that all U.S. orders will ship from these U.S., these United States. So there are no additional international shipping charges. And you know, John, me and my don't tread on me friends really love everything U.S. of A. (laughs) So I really appreciate that. Fucking shit. Also, remember if you have purchased anything, please go over to the old Google review machine and put in a plug for how happy you are with any of your purchases. Like, take a break from Gab or or <laughs> Telegram or whatever the fuck you're doing right now, my friends. And you got to get over to Google and do it. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a five hundred one c three that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment. For young people to play the beautiful game, like through our Future Scholarship Program, uh, Futures Program Scholarship Fund, I think there's going to be tons of opportunities this winter for for young people to uh, to get out and for Minneapolis City to support boys and girls clubs and the like. So I think that you really should consider a tax deductible donation to a true city focused organization like Minneapolis City SC. The regular season concluded. The playoffs have concluded. Uh, we're all done. So really, it's all about your off-season, your burning off-season questions. Like, what do you think is going to happen in Minneapolis City starting now and running through March, April, and into the next season of May? <laughs> if you've got questions, you got to let us know. Uh, send us mail. It's easy. Hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. And all of your questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. But your complaints? Well, you got to send those. To at MPLS City SC. Thank you all for joining us this week. That does it. I am Nate. That was John. The 2021 season is over. God, I can't believe it's over. It barely began. Uh, just like my failed side hustle as a children's birthday performer. But we're gonna have a full se- we're gonna have full season wrap-ups coming for you uh for both the UPSL and NPSL squad. Uh, as well as, of course, we've got an upcoming game against Forward Madison that we're gonna want to preview and recap. So there's plenty of content on the docket for the people's pitch uh some really special guests and of course our official unofficial people's pitch end of the season awards so stay tuned friends until next time (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh geez